Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right, we're going to uh, continue in the, the I Am series. I have a, uh, a good bit I want to get to, um, but of course, I'm going to respect time. But uh, So we're going to continue the I Am series uh, that we've been in. Uh, as we said before, Jesus makes eight I Am statements, um, the next of which is in John 14, uh, verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're going to read those verses, uh, and we're going to talk about that individually, the way, the truth, and the life, uh, what that means to us, and what Jesus meant by that, and, and we're going to pray. Uh, John 14, uh, verse 1, it reads, Reads thus, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all of your many blessings. Thank you, God, for the chance to be here with my family. God, as we stand in your presence, in this place, uh, God, our expectation is to you and from you. God, forgive us of our sins, God, and uh, we ask that we would hear from you this morning. Uh, teach our hearts, God, and open our hearts and minds that we would hear from you and that your word would go forth in authority and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is, a, uh, this is kind of a funny conversation uh, or the way it goes is kind of funny. Uh, we're coming in in the mid, mid-conversation. Now, we're talking about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. But we're coming in mid-conversation because this conversation starts in the 13th chapter. Okay? In the 13th chapter, Jesus tells them, and he's told them before, but now he's, he's coming out a little more direct and saying it. And he's saying, I'm about to go. In the 13th chapter, they've done uh, the Lord's Supper together, and Jesus tells them, I'm about to go. And so Peter is, I mean, they are confused and they're hurt because all this time they've been growing this relationship with God, uh, their relationship with their friendship, this friendship with Jesus. Uh, they've gotten to know him well, and they, their lives have changed in the last roughly three years since meeting Jesus. And so all of a sudden, Jesus says, I'm about to go. I'm about to go. The most influential person that they have ever met in their lives after three years of changing them like nobody they've ever met, he just up and says, I'm about to go. And so Peter goes off. Peter says uh, in, in the 13th chapter, he says, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? And then it's kind of funny, uh, Jesus' line of answering. It's almost like 
uh, it's, it's, it's very much a, a, a man's uh, line of answering. Jesus never answers the question. It's, it's that thing that guys do where they answer the question, but they don't really answer the question. And so Peter asks him, where are you going? And Jesus says, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm going somewhere, somewhere, okay? I'm going somewhere, and you can't go when I go, but I'll come back and get you, okay? Um, <laughs> and then in the next, in the 14th uh, chapter, he tells Thomas, I'm going to a place. When he when asked again where he's going, he says, I'm going to a place, okay? I'm going to a place, and I'm going to come back and get you so that you can go with me, Okay? And, and, and it's crazy because I can tell by this line of questioning. Uh, I, I've wondered this in Scripture, and nothing else in Scripture says this. But we know from this line of questioning that Jesus, and just the way he answers it, we know that Jesus isn't married. We know that he's, we know that he's not. I don't, I don't believe he's married. Uh, and, 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 you know, could he be? Just the way he answers these questions, if he was married, he wasn't married for a long time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I dream of, 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 of answering questions to test it this way. Uh, so, you know, so there, where are you going? I'm going to a place. <laughs> uh, you can't go with me, but I'm going to come back. And you can go with me when I come back. <laughs> and I, I can see her uh, as she's taking off her ring <laughs> saying, uh, you going to a place? I tell you what, I'm going to a place. And uh, and I'm not coming back. Um, and so we, Jesus isn't married. We, we, he, he can't be married uh, because who would who would who would go along with that? And so, and it's funny, but at the same time, the disciples are hurt and confused. They're hurt. Jesus is leaving. He's leaving. He's leaving. And there's that rub there. There's that rub. Uh, that we all experience at some point because the shepherd is taking us in a direction that we don't want to go and that we don't see coming. And we all, we all have experienced this at some point um, where the shepherd goes in a direction that we don't want to go. It's almost, I, I, and this happens so many times to us and, and, and we have to, even in being honest with ourselves, admit that this happens. There are times in our lives when Jesus takes us in a direction and you can see the direction that you wanted to go and it's like, you know, and, 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 and that's the kind of thing that happens regularly because Jesus takes us in a direction that honors himself and not our desires. Okay? He is going to lead you in a direction that honors himself and not our desires. David figured it out after so many times of it happening. David said in the 23rd Psalms, he says, I get it now. He's leading me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. In other words, and, 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 and David didn't just say the path. He said the paths, the different turns that we make the different directions that we go, whether we're here or there, it's all for his namesake. He was never after my happiness in the first place. 
He was never trying to be my genie in the first place. He was leading me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This whole walk was about him. And as you walk with God, you begin to see that every turn, every decision, every single thing that happened in your life, every place he took you uh, and, and who you met and who walked away and, and all these different kinds of things, they all happened for his namesake. And it's crazy because I've, I've asked this question so many times and I know you have too. God, why? Why do we take that turn right there? This was uh, this other way. God, I, you know, I know I'm not a shepherd, but uh, if we go this way, this is way quicker. This is way quicker. I've been single for a long time. This, this way is way quicker. And so it's crazy because Jesus, uh, we want him to kind of go like our GPS goes. Uh, the GPS, I looked at my, my GPS, I looked at the settings. The GPS is set. My options are in taking a path it's either going to go the shortest route or the quickest route. And, and I mean, which, raise your hand if your GPS is set to the scenic route. <laughs> it's designed to take you the shortest route or the quickest route, no matter where you go. And sometimes in following Jesus, we want to go the most convenient route. We want to go the easiest way. We want to go, the, we want to take the smoothest road. Uh, we want to be on the highway as much as possible. But to follow Jesus, it is not like that. Like if I go home right now, I'm going to take 20 to 26. Most of that is going to be highway. That's probably not, because that's the easiest way. The highways are smooth. It's easy on my car. I don't have to worry about uh, rocks flying up, hitting my car, all those kinds of things. And, but Jesus, if he were to take me home, he probably wouldn't go that way. He probably would cut through the forest and uh, do all these crazy things that would seem crazy to me. And I'm like, Jesus, the highway is right there. But God never promised you that he was going to take you the easy way. He never promised you that he would take 20 to 26 and that would be nice and smooth and, and you wouldn't run into any uh, obstructions or anything like that. It would be real easy, nice and smooth. We'll get there the quickest way possible. He never promised that. He never promised that. And so David said, he's leading me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And so we have to know in walking with him that Every single decision he makes, everything that he allows us to experience is to glorify himself. The Bible talks about the manifold wisdoms of God and how God will allow you to experience a certain thing. He will allow you to go a certain way just to show you another part, another facet of himself. God will allow you to be sick just to show you that he's a healer. He'll allow you to be hurt to show you that he's a comforter. He'll allow you to be up under, he'll, he'll deliver you from attack to show you that he's a protector. And sometimes he'll let you be attacked 
just to show you that his grace is sufficient. And so he's taking you through these paths. He's taking you down these roads and it's all for his glory. And when you start looking in the mirror and wondering why it's happening to you, what did I do? Then you're going to get lost and life is going to seem real confusing to you. If you say, God, what did, what did I do? Uh, you know, this doesn't make sense. My actions, you know, I, I love you and I, I shouldn't be going down this road. We should be on 20. We should be on 26. I read my Bible every day and, and, and that's not what God has promised us. He's taken us a certain way just so you could know him. And so it's crazy. We, we, we talked about this not too long ago. I asked you to raise your hand and, you know, how do you know him? You know, the Bible calls him hundreds, uh, it speaks of God's, of God in hundreds of different adjectives. It calls him all these different things. And, and in some places it says he's a healer. Some places it says he's a counselor. All these different adjectives for God, and none of them are wrong. None of these guys are wrong. But they all know him differently because of the path that he's taken them. And so how do you know him? In 2015, what did you get to know about him? What did he show you about himself? Was he trying to show you that he was a protector? Or was he just trying to show you that his grace was sufficient? Was he trying to show you that he was a healer? Or was he trying to show you, as my mom would say, that he's a friend? A friend that sticks closer than a brother. And none of you are wrong. If I were to ask all of you, I would expect, even that day we did it, I think we had about 10 or 15 different answers. And none of those are wrong, and it's all decided by the path that you take, the path that he's taking you. And so Jesus is letting them know, I'm the way. I'm the way. And, and saying that he's the way, he's literally saying, it's the word, it's a Greek word, hodos. It literally means I'm the path. He doesn't just say, he doesn't just say, I know the map. He's literally saying, I am the map. So I can't be wrong. I couldn't have made a wrong turn because I'm the map. I'm the map. How can I be wrong? And for those of you that, that, that may be wondering, God, why? And looking at your lives and saying, how did I get to this point? Please, no. Please, ma'am. Please, sir. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's the way. The next thing we, we want to see is that he's the truth. He is the truth. The word truth is the Greek word aletheia. Aletheia, it means truth. But the root word of aletheia, the Greek word, the root word of it is another word, letho. And letho is a word that means concealed, hidden. And so when Jesus is saying that I am the truth, he's referring to himself as hidden truth. Hidden truth. And we have to know that that truth ultimately is hidden. Truth ultimately is uh, Jesus, in, in referring that to himself, and, and we see proof of that, the Bible says that when the Roman soldiers went to lay hands on him and arrest him, they had to point him out. Judas had to point him out. Judas had to say, not that one. Not that one, him, that's the one, that's Jesus. 
That blows my mind. That blows my mind that the creator of the universe, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, had to be pointed out. You would think that if I lined up 12 guys up here, no, 11. If I lined up 11 guys and one of them was the son of God, you would think that it would be obvious, like, oh, that's, that's, that's got to be him right there. That's, oh, that's definitely Jesus. Third one from the left, that's definitely Jesus. But no, he had to be pointed out. And it, and it points to the fact that truth is hidden. Truth is hidden. The Bible says when Pilate was speaking to Jesus, Pilate said to Jesus, he's questioning Jesus and he asked him all these questions. And he finally says to Jesus, because he's, try, he's on this quest for, uh, for, for wisdom. And he finally says to Jesus, what is truth? John 18, John 18, 38. Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? And that's so funny, that's so crazy to me because truth is literally standing in front of him. And Pilate says to truth, what is truth? How would I know truth if I, if I saw truth? And so it, it points to the fact that in this world, truth is not obvious. Jesus is not obvious. He needs to be pointed out. Jesus needs to be pointed out, and that's where we come in. That's why discipling is so important, because Jesus has to be pointed out. And we could get upset that our young men and our young women should probably, oh, they should know Jesus when they see him. They should, but no, he has to be pointed out. And so we could, instead of getting our upset that our young men haven't seen it for themselves, and, and instead of thinking that our young men will figure out what it is to be a godly man, know that it has to be pointed out. Instead of believing that our, women, that our young girls will know what it is to be a godly woman and to reflect Christ in everything they do, please know it has to be pointed out. And so the question I would have for you today is, who are you pointing it out to? Who are you showing the way? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that the, that the gospel is hidden to those that are lost. Hidden. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says that the gospel uh, is hidden to those that are lost. And so we can't assume that people see. We have to point it out to our neighbors. We have to point it out to our coworkers. We have to point it out. We have to show them the way because Paul is saying the gospel is hidden to those that are lost. And it's real easy when you've seen the light and you know the way to say, to just sit back and say, I can't believe they don't know. I can't believe that's not obvious to them. I can't believe, I can't believe this guy doesn't know how to treat his kids. I can't believe he doesn't know how to be a good father. I can't believe that mom is raising her babies like that. And, and sometimes we sit back in judgment when we should be taking the time to point the way. Even in this, I've, I've been watching the, uh, I don't even watch the news, but I've been hearing lately 
all this stuff and, 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 and the, uh, you know, with black and white and going back and forth. And, and, and I think that Christians just kind of naturally take this stance. We just naturally, I kind of think, take this stance. It's like, why, why don't they see that? Why don't, why don't these black guys know that it's not that way? Why do they see it like that? And instead of sitting back and judging, we have to point it out. We have to point to Jesus. And so don't judge them, point to Jesus. Even on the other side of it, it's, it's, and it's going both ways, whether it's black or it's white. You know, on, on this side, they're saying, how can they see it that way? That's so ridiculous. And it's just going back and forth. And one side's judging the other, and nobody's pointing to Jesus. And black people are saying black lives matter. And, and people that don't want to uh, recognize that say all lives matter. But I, I got something I, I want you to see, uh, Ryan, Ryan, put it up. It's, it's not about black lives matter. It's not really about uh, uh, all lives matter. It's his life matters. His life matters. And we need to take the emphasis. And we, we have to quit taking the emphasis, quit putting the emphasis on ourselves and put it back on Jesus. The Bible says that Peter started to walk on water, and when he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. Almost instantaneously, he started to sink. He was walking on water, took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to sink. And in church, our world is sinking. Our world is sinking because they've taken their eyes off Jesus. They've taken their eyes off Jesus in the schools. They've taken their eyes off Jesus in the government. The same government that used to say, and God we trust, could, could care less about God right now. And even with the, the presidential situation, I don't know who to vote for. <laughs> the world is taking our eyes off Jesus, and we, we have to point to Jesus. We have to put the emphasis back on Jesus and let people know that his life matters. The world is lost, and hearing that black lives matter isn't going to save them. To hear that all lives matter isn't going to save them. They need to know that his life matters. They need to know that they need to hear not about all these lives that really don't matter. They need to hear that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life. They need to know, like one of my favorite songs says, that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flow and lose all their guilty stain. That's what the world needs to hear. The world needs to know, like my, like my buddy Chris Tomlin says, that God is a good, good father. They need to know that he's a good, good father. That's what they need to hear. They need to know, like another song I like says, that our God is an awesome God. He reigns in heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. And that, that will save them. If the world sees that, that will save them. All this other stuff does not matter. All this other stuff does not matter. I know what it's like to, to be in a situation. Uh, me and Tessa were in, engaged at the time, and I got, uh, me and this guy got in a wreck, and we were in Walgreens parking lot. 
and, and we got in a wreck and we got out of the car. And I said to the guy, I'm sorry, man, I didn't see you. He said to me, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see you either. We, we acknowledged that it was both our fault. It was very amicable. Uh, it was like, well, who do you want to call the police? I said, well, I'll call them. I got my phone. I called the police myself. Uh, 45 minutes later, fast forward, 45 minutes later in Walgreens parking lot, there are 10 police cars. I, I kid you not. And Tessa was there. I, and it's crazy because I was telling Tessa about those kinds of things that happened. And, 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 and she didn't. I don't even really think she believed me because uh, it just it seemed unbelievable. And if you haven't experienced it, it does seem unbelievable. And uh, but 45 minutes later, my face is pressed up against my blazer. My face is pressed up against my blazer. My arms are being twisted behind my back. I'm already in handcuffs. And my boxers are around my ankles. Butt naked in wa- and, and broad daylight in the Walgreens parking lot on Broadway Road. And so those kinds of things do happen. But if you think that I'm going to sit here and treat my brothers and sisters like they owe me something, the devil is a lie. Why? Because it is not about me. My feelings were hurt that day, but it is not about me. I was, I was sorely embarrassed that day, but it is not about me. My life does not matter. So you're not going to hear that from me, but his does. He's the way, the truth, and, and, and last but not least, he is the life. That word life is a Greek word, uh, uh, zeo, or well, spelled Z-A-O. Um, that word literally means that he is the embodiment of our lives, that God is the embodiment of our lives, that my life is God and God is my life, and, and they're synonymous with each other, and that's the way it should be. That's what that word means. And, and it means Jesus kind of explains this. Uh, if you would read on, and we don't have it up, but if you would read on in the ninth verse, Jesus really explains what that means when he says, when you've seen me, and most of you probably heard it before, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I reflect the Father. I literally reflect the Father. And so he even says in that verse, uh, in the ninth verse, he says, I don't speak of my own. I'm not just coming up with my own words. I speak what he tells me. All I'm doing in my actions, Jesus is saying this, in my actions, the things I say, the things I do, I'm only reflecting him. That's what I do. And this word that God should be our life, it means ultimately that we are supposed to reflect him. That in everything we do, this is why the Bible says, all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because everything that we do and say should just reflect him. I'm not standing up here telling you my own opinions. I'm just reflecting him. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what he told me this week. And and that is what we need to do. That is the way that we live our lives that we just reflect, like a mirror that we just reflect. A mirror doesn't create its own image. The, the mirror is only as pretty as the person standing in front of it. My mirror was pretty this morning. 
Tessa was standing in front of it. I was, she was standing in front of it. You thought I was talking about me. How selfish you think I am. I was talking about Tessa the whole time. I'm not that pretty. Uh, <laughs> but the, 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 the mirror does not create its own image. It's one job. It's sole job. It's sole purpose. All it does is reflect. And ultimately, when we are at the height of being used by God, when we are at our zenith, when we are at our absolute best, doing what God wants us to do, we're not creating anything. We're only reflecting. The most prominent and and best explanation of how that should look like, that relationship of God to us as his people in the world the, that the best explanation of that is the relationship to the sun, the moon, and then the world, the earth. Okay? Fourteen times in Scripture, God is referred to as the sun. Fourteen times. Old Testament through New Testament, mostly in New Testament. God is referred to as the sun. He's referred to, alluded to as the sun. And Jesus says in John 8 and 9, he says that I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And when I leave, you're you're the light of the world. Which means that in the absence of the sun, there's only one light left to be a light source to the world. And so when the sun goes down, what's the light source? The moon. The moon. Now look at this relationship. Look at this relationship. It's very interesting. And I want you to get this. You have the sun here, the moon that has positioned itself. Now, it's not here, okay? It's more like here. It's not a straight line. And so the moon has positioned itself. It's, it's, it's not too close to the sun. It's not too close to the earth. But it's in the perfect place to receive from the sun and reflect to the earth, okay? So you have the sun, the moon, the earth. God being the sun or the day star, we being the moon, purely just reflecting, and then the earth or the world. You have to know that the sun is producing light, literally producing light. Jesus not only says that I'm the light of the world, even in John, uh, in, in, in the book of Revelation, when John sees Jesus, uh, that John says, it is as if the sun shined in his strength. Looking at him was like looking at the sun. Okay? And so you have the sun, the moon, and the earth, the world. So the sun shines in this direction. Now, the moon cannot create any light at all. Okay? It is simply a ball of rock. And all it does is reflect what the sun sends its way. And so this is the moon's job. That's all it does. Like that is the height of the moon is doing a great job. It's doing everything it's, it's, it's been made to do. And it's just doing this. That's us. God is reflect. God is shining. We're just reflecting. That's all we do. Now, I want, and, and, and it's crazy because sometimes, sometimes when God is using you and you're the moon, sometimes when God is using you, it almost feels like you're coming up with the light. <laughs> and, you, and you have to be, you can't be fooled, you can't be deceived. And three things I want you to know in being the moon. Number one, know that I am not producing this. 
Never be so impressed with what God is doing in someone's life that you think that they're producing it. And part of being used by God in a great way, whether it's preaching or singing or discipling or, or, or forming a business that reflects God, no matter what it is, no matter what your occupation or what your role or your purpose, being great and being, and being used by God in a great way is knowing that I'm not coming up with this stuff. I'm just reflecting. I'm just, I'm just giving to the world what he gave to me. And you anger God. Here's what you don't do. When you, when you think that you're reflecting, when you think that you're coming up with it, instead of angling yourself to reflect him, you just get in the way and you think, oh, if this is me, I'm doing this. Do you know what that's called when the moon positions itself right here? It's an eclipse. And this darkness, uh, an eclipse creates darkness upon the earth because the moon is not producing light. And so for those of you that are being used by God, no matter what your capacity, one word of advice, don't get in the way. Okay, get out of the way. Let him reflect, let him use you and know the whole time, no matter how high or low, knowing that I'm just reflecting. Even right now, I feel God's spirit flowing through me. I'm not fool enough to think that I'm coming up with this stuff. No. I'm just reflecting. I'm just reflecting. I'm nobody. I'm just reflecting. Number two, the, uh, being the moon, you need to know that I am not keeping this. Okay? The moon doesn't hold, it doesn't hold the light. It just literally, it just bounces off. I'm not holding it. And when you want to know, there are different ones. If you, when, if you want to know how can I put myself in a position to be used by God? How can I abstract purpose from my life and better the people, better the earth by allowing God to use me? The, it's, and it's pretty simple. The things that God allows to come your way, don't hold on to it. Whether that's money or resources or encouragement or word, let it go. Let it go. That's why the Bible says don't store up. Don't store up for yourselves. Don't store up. What good is a moon that stores up when it's one job is just for things to bounce off? That money that you have, so much of it, some of that's got to bounce off. There's some of us right now, you have too much in your bank account. Now you have to work out between you and God how giving that away and what that looks like and who you need to give to and where you need to give. I'm not saying give it to Radius or anything, but we need to be givers. And your money wasn't meant to stay with you. Your, current, your encouragement wasn't meant to stay with you. Proof that God wanted you to give it away is that you have it. And if God didn't want you to bounce, if God didn't want it to bounce off you, then you wouldn't even have it. No matter what it is, whether that's money or resources or word or whatever, whatever it is that God has given you, let it bounce off you. Whatever it is that God is, is and the Bible says that he's given different amounts of grace to all of us. Whatever it is that God has given to you, let it go. Whatever it is that God has blessed you with, find a way to find a place to put it. But so many of us, we just do this. We, we, we get things, God is good, and it's like, oh, God, you, you, you love me so much that you would give me this. 
God gave it to you, trusting you that you would reflect it, not keep it. He gave you encouragement in word. He gave you a testimony, trusting that you wouldn't keep it. Now, those of you in this room have an amazing testimony because you've been through so much, but you're ashamed to tell people your testimony because you're scared of what they might think about you. Oh, my gosh, she'll, she'll change her mind about me if she knows that. He'll change his mind about me if he knew that I struggled with pornography. And instead of considering yourself so much, just give it away. Just give it away. If you're wondering what your purpose is, what does God want me to do? How does he want me to be a blessing to the earth? How does he want me to be the light of the world? Give away what you have. The Bible says that when the rich young ruler (laughs) came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, I've kept all the commandments. I've kept all the commandments from my youth up. How do I be? What, what can I do to be what you're calling me to be? He said, take what you have and give it to the poor. Do this with your money. And he said, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Hold up, Jesus. I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't. Hold up. You know, and, 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 and the Bible says he got offended and he walked away. And I hope right now that this word doesn't offend you. I hope to know that God wants you to give away your money and your resources and encouragement and whatever it is that he's blessed you with. I hope that doesn't offend you. Proof that he wants you to give it away is that you have it. The third thing you need to know, and we're going to end with this, the moon has holes. Okay? The moon has holes. The moon has holes in it. Because the moon, is hit, it has millions of, of holes in it, millions, millions of holes in it. Why? Because it is constantly being bombarded by meteorites that are flying through the solar system. And these meteorites are, some are uh, literally, some are inches wide and some are miles wide. But the moon has holes in it because it's constantly being hit. It's getting light and it's reflecting the light, but it's constantly being hit. And it's being hit and reflecting the light, being hit and reflecting the light. Some of you right now are having a trouble living for God the way you need to because you're constantly being hit. And you're asking God, why? Why am I, why am I constantly having to, to do this? You're constantly being hit and it's made your walk with them difficult because you keep getting hit in the face and you think God doesn't love you because you're constantly being hit. You think he doesn't care for you because you're constantly being hit. But what we don't know about the moon is that every time it is hit, what it does is there's this stuff up under the surface because the moon is just rock. When it is hit, it causes a reaction that makes what's under the surface come up. This stuff that comes up and is now on the surface because it has now been hit, this stuff is called regolith, R-E-G-O-L-I-T-H. I think that's the pronunciation of it, but I know that's the word, that when it's hit, the regolith comes up. And guess what? This regolith, if I'm saying it right, makes it shine brighter. And so every time it is hit, It's just shining brighter. It's just shining brighter. 
And for those of you that have ever, and I want to take a moment that, to, to allow some of you to be healed right now by the power of the Holy Spirit because you've been bombarded and you've been hit and you've been hit and you've been hit and you think that God doesn't love you. Ooh, I feel the spirit right now. You think that God doesn't love you and that he doesn't care about you and that he doesn't want you to be anything because you've been hit so much. But I want to let you know the only thing greater than God's, uh, the only thing greater than the hurt God experiences when you are hit is the satisfaction when you shine. And so he allows you, even though he knows that it's hurting you. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, we have the shield of salvation. The shield of salvation, that, kind, that means that when I'm hit, I don't run and take my life like I almost did. I don't run and take my life because I know that's just part of it. I got the shield of salvation, and it doesn't take me out just because it hit me. And so what you need to know is that just because you're being hit, God is not trying to take you out. He's only trying to make you shine. And with every time the moon is hit and that stuff comes up out of it, that praise comes up out of it, God's glory rises up out of it, the moon shines brighter. And the only reason you are hit is because he wanted you to shine. And there are those of you in this room that pray, God, make me shine. I want to shine for you. I want to glorify you. I want to be great for you. So his response is, okay. You're like, no, no, God, I, I, you know, how did you get? No, that's not what I asked. I wanted to be great and I wanted to shine. And you're throwing stuff at me. You're allowing all this stuff to come my way. I thought you loved me. He wants you to shine. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for, for all of your many blessings. I, I thank you for your people in this room. God, I ask that you look on the ones right now, those that have been hit in 2016, those that have been hit in 2015, those that are still recovering from being hit in 2014. God, help us to shine with your glory. Help us to shine with your glory. Thank you, God, for keeping us. If you wanted to kill us, we'd be dead, but you only wanted us to shine. God, thank you. Thank you. No wonder, no wonder David said, it is good that I've been afflicted. It is good. It wasn't fun, but it was good. Now I reflect God's glory, and I'm shining more than ever, and you are too. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.